Can humans be like geckos? How many times am I going to change my shirt? I've got a BioLite camp stove for you, and the book guys join us for some podception. Padres Corner is next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Padres Corner is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Padres Corner, episode 15, recorded November 21st, 2014, for December 2nd, 2014. Podception, the book guys. Welcome to Padres Corner. I'm Father Robert Balasser, the digital Jesuit, Padre SJ in the Twit TV chat room. Padres Corner is a place where we can gather with the geeks, the gals, the guys of chat room and talk about the stories that may have fallen through the cracks. We're going to put you into the mind of a Jesuit priest for an hour and see if you come out sane on the other side. Now, as always, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a little bit of freaking science. Now, when I lived in Hawaii, it was always a part of the environment to have geckos. Now, geckos were good because if you had a gecko, it meant that it was eating the bugs. It was eating the pestilence. It was eating the insects that made my life miserable. Now, especially for a person like myself, who tends to be a magnet for all things that bite, geckos were more or less a godsend. They were something that allowed me to get through the night without being eaten alive. Now, in fact, for a man who uh, is like me being bitten by everything, these little creatures weren't just a way to keep down the pest control but they were kind of a, well, a fascination of science. Now, if you've seen a gecko, you know that it can pretty much stick to anything. It'll stick to walls. It'll stick to windows. It will stick to screens. And it does it because of some unique uh, pieces of its anatomy. Now, I'm not the only, only geek who saw geckos and thought that this should be explored. There were some scientists over at Stanford who took a close look at gecko toes to figure out why it was that they could stick to pretty much any surface. What they found was that the gecko's anatomy is unique and that the toes are filled with microscopic little hairs. These hairs actually form a weak nuclear bond with the molecules and whatever surface that they're trying to stick to. Uh, That's right. It's not just a matter of sticking to something. They were actually taking advantage of something that was called the, um, and I'm going to mess this up, The researchers discovered that when geckos climb, the microscopic hairs that cover the the pads of their toes take advantage of van der Waal forces to pull the molecules in the hairs to the molecules in the surface that the gecko is climbing. Of course, that that is enough to geek out over. But what's really freaking engineering is the fact that the researchers have been able to duplicate this on a much larger scale. Those researchers over at Stanford have been looking at a way to let people cling to walls. Now, we've seen this in applications beyond the, just the movies, but most of the, the ways in which we can stick to surfaces deal with using some sort of suction, some sort of adhesive. It's definitely not the most you know, elegant solution that you can find. But what Stanford has done is they've tried to imitate what the geckos can do with their little microscopic hairs, and they've come up with a new solution that uses an adhesive pad that they are calling a gecko toe. Now, the gecko toe is unique because what it does is it connects the hand cup to a foot support. And it uses the same van der Waal forces but scaled up so that it can hold a much larger cargo. uh, The the, the device that they've created can hold up to 154 pounds and it allows a human to climb about 25 feet of sheer glass in 90 seconds. 
Now, there are limitations, of course, because it's not scaled up to the full size of, of a gecko toe. It's not really good at irregular surfaces, so you're not going to be climbing mountain walls or, or trees. And you are limited by the weight capacity of the surface that you're clinging to. So if you're holding onto a piece of glass, unless that piece of glass can actually support your weight, then the gecko toe is not going to be the thing that saves you. Still, maybe in the future, your options for getting up to the upper levels of a building won't be limited to just the stairs or the elevator. Now, this is the time of the show where I like to talk a little about the tech. I'm bringing back an oldie but a goldie, a piece of tech that I've really enjoyed over the years. Uh, but you know what? Before we get into the next segment, because when we come back, we're going to be doing sort of a podception thing, a podcast in a podcast. I'm going to check out the stove, and then I'm going to go ahead and change my shirt. Part furnace, part cooking tool, and part power generator. The BioLite Camp Stove is a two-pound forced air biomass burning portable cooking stove with a thermopile twist. Wrapped in its own carrying case, the stove is comprised of two pieces, the combustion chamber and the power unit, the latter of which fits snugly into the former for easy packing. The combustion chamber is a double-walled steel cylinder surrounded by a honeycomb lattice that allows you to pick up the stove even when it's hot. It has three fold-up legs at the bottom of the unit to give the stove stability while in use. A large vent in the back allows air to be forced into the chamber to increase the efficiency of the burn and a port at the top of the chamber is the entry point for the heat exchanger. The power unit is a high-impact plastic shell surrounding a heat exchanger and thermopile assembly, battery, and blower. The probe transfers heat from the combustion chamber to the thermopile, which generates electricity to run a fan that forces air into the combustion chamber, generating a hotter flame, which in turn can generate more power. The front of the power unit has a single button to turn the fan on and off, and a silicone-covered USB port that can give the internal battery an initial charge, and, well, that's the twist. The power unit attaches to the back of the combustion chamber and is held in place by a locking mechanism activated by the third support leg. Once assembled, the BioLite Camp Stove is a stable platform that can be used as a heat source or, with the included triangular cooking attachment, can support kettles, pans, and other cookware. BioLite also offers a 2.5-pound portable grill for those who want a more even heat source for grilling. Two foldable legs support the grill on top of the BioLite, and a closable flap allows for easy refueling. To use the BioLite camp stove, you loosely fill the combustion chamber with dry fuel, light, wait 10 seconds, then push the power button to activate the blower. The blower forces more air into the combustion chamber, which allows for a more complete, almost smokeless burn and a hotter flame. We used this flame to boil a liter of water in under five minutes, and the forced air combustion chamber meant that it was possible to burn biomass that doesn't easily burn, things like cherry pits and walnut shells. As the flame gets hotter, the heat exchanger generates more power, eventually generating more power than is required by the blower. Once this point is reached, the status light at the front of the unit turns green, which means it's now ready to provide that excess power to attached USB devices. To be sure, the excess power isn't a lot. It's rated for a max of 2 watts of 5-volt power. In 15 minutes of burning, I added perhaps 5% of charge to my phone, but it definitely provided USB-compatible charging. A more suitable setup would be to charge a small USB battery that could then be used to power your USB devices. Aside from the hotter flame and USB charging, the power unit adds one more advantage to the BioLite camp stove. 
At the end of the burn, the fan will continue to blow, burning all the embers down into cold ash, stopping automatically once it's safe. In fact, I was able to pour the ash out of the combustion chamber onto a paper plate with no fire, no embers, and no mess. In all, the BioLite camp stove is an innovative product that should appeal to outdoor enthusiasts, geeks in the wild, and those who just want one more power source in the event of the zombie apocalypse. The BioLite camp stove is available online and at outdoor stores for $130. The portable grill will add $60. We're going to try something a little different on this episode of Padres Corner. This is normally where I break out a rant or an extended interview, but, uh, you know... Every once in a while, it's fun to collaborate with content creators who are already doing a good thing, which is why I have invited the entire cast of the Book Guys show to come on to Padres Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you Mr. Paul Alvis, Professor Alan Middleton, and Jimmy Goots. That's right. These are the members of the Book Guys show. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being on Padres Corner. Thank you, Padre. Thanks now, for having us, Father. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do something a, l- a little weird. We're actually going to run an abridged version of the Book Guys show. It's going to be run by you. I'm going to switch here on my side. But the idea is to, to you know, let your audience see how we do things here on Twit and let our audience see how you do things on the Book Guys. We don't have a book show, so it'll be nice to see what kind of insight you can give us. But before we do that, uh, Paul, you are the Book Guy. Could could I ask you what was your inspiration for making the book guy show? Why why a show about books? Well, well Padre, we found that a, a lot of men and, and uh, young men in general weren't reading books, and we just wanted to make it cool again to pick up a book or an audio book and 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 really promote that. We're pretty much we're literacy advocates, and we're trying to make it fun. And sometimes it goes a little blue. We'll try to be nice today because we're on the live stream, but. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Trying to get more men reading. Now, uh, Paul, I understand why you are doing this show because you are a, you are a, a printer, you're a publisher, so you you have an interest in this industry. But then I got to ask, what made you pick up this ragtag team of book guys? I mean, you got a pretty eclectic group. Our, yeah, since ep- we're in episode, this is episode one one eight. We're gonna uh, steal your video and, and use it as our episode one one eight, but. Uh, our, our crew has changed over the years. Um, episode one was a completely different dynamic, completely different uh, group of individuals. And in fact, both Professor Allen and Sir Jimmy, and I believe even yourself, all came to the show as listeners who eventually got incorporated as, as special guests and are now full-time Book Guys hosts. And I mean, we get along. We, uh, I think Sir Jimmy said it before that we probably do this for an hour a week, uh, even if we weren't recording. Just the chat and get new uh, book recommendations. And we talk about all kinds of geekery, Padre. You know that we, we go way off the book thing. Oh, yeah. Many- yeah, yeah. Oh, what, what I like about the group that you've gathered is uh, you've all got different specialties, if I can call that. I mean, in literature. Uh, for example, uh, Professor Allen, you are probably the biggest comic book buff that I know, and I work with a person who works in the comic industry. Uh, <laughs> tell us, I mean, why do you find graphic novels so, so entertaining? Uh, I have found them that way for almost all my life, uh, well over 35 years. I've been a comic book reader, and I just – it's the the storytelling. Uh, I, I simply enjoy that type of, of literature, and much of it uh, certainly qualifies as literature. 
And uh, I like to I like to think that I was a comic book fan before comic books were cool. And uh, of course, we are rounded out by royalty, uh, a man only known as Sir Jimmy. Some people say that he's filled with the works of Shakespeare. Other people say that he's just crazy. All we know is we call him Sir Jimmy. Sir Jimmy, what brought you to the book, guys? Well, um, I connected with Paul Evans through um, another podcast that we were both big fans of, uh, which well, shall uh, remain nameless. But uh, we, um, <laughs> we, we, we connected through this podcast, and I found out he did a podcast about books. I started listening to that. He had two other um, guys that were doing the show with him. And one day he's like, hey, you want to come on the show? And I come on the show. And then one of the other guys like, oh, cool, maybe I'm going to skate out now. He got into a new business. Um, then the other guy disappeared. And then we brought some other people in, Professor Allen. You know, we have Craig Damlo, uh, who used to be on – he had his own podcast, which I listened to when I got my first iPod back in 2005. He was doing a podcast called The Singularity Podcast. And it was – he's like a sciencey guy. I was listening to that and email him and – you know, over the years, sort of stayed in contact. Then Twitter came out, bring him on the show. You know, you were on the show with us for a while. So it's it's kind of in flux, but this is kind of, you know, the three of us right now are solidified. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for coming on to Padre's Corner. This is where we're actually going to kick off an episode of The Book, guys. Uh, are you Are you ready to do some of your magic? Let's do it. I'm going to switch from my side, but um, in case you've never watched the Book Guys show, this is how they typically kick it off. I love that. And, uh, yeah, you know what I like? I like autoplay. Yeah, it, it happens, Padre. Uh, that was made by uh, Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media, who I believe has been on a couple of the Twitch shows as well. And he's also the author of Dog Boy Adventures. And you are watching. I, I almost said listening. You are watching episode 118 of the book I show entitled Padre's Corner. My name is Paul Alves. Also known as, we have jingles, Padre. We do have the jingles. Paul the book guy. And uh, over in, Cal somewhere in California, Brand and former host. Father Robert. How you doing, Padre? I'm just fine. I'm pretty good. I, I'm sitting here in the Twit Brick House, so uh, what could be better, really? <laughs> yeah, and thank you so not much. Not gone for and not forgotten. <laughs> hey, let's not forget the one, the guy in the bottom corner there. The one and only. <laughs> That's right here in lovely North Carolina. Where there is Great no uh, snow like in Buffalo. Oh, no, no. We had, we had some 20 degree weather this week, but uh, uh, my wife, she went on an Amazon buying spree and it all showed up today. I got a new Columbia jacket, a thermal underwear, electric socks, take nine volt batteries, everything. But the polar vortex is over. Why, why would you need all that? <laughs> no, it, yeah. 
It's coming. It's coming back. They just have to rebrand it. Right. And when it comes to comics, you can't forget the one and only. Professor Allen. Yeah. Hello from Ohio, where there is still snow on the ground. Wait, <laughs> they have snow in Ohio? I thought it was all just flowers and what do wait? What do they grow in Ohio? Corn. Okay, that. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, football players. <laughs> Now, now Margaret, a lot of your uh, Twitter uh, viewers don't know how we normally start the show, and uh, we normally uh, kind of casually mention what we've been reading. Well, the stuff that we like that we've been reading. We don't always mention everything we've been reading because sometimes we don't want to waste the listeners' uh, time by talking about the, the crap. That sounds like a great idea. Well, let's do this. And it's kind of weird because we don't have video jingles, so the jingles are just playing in the background. What's on your... It's on your Kindle, your nightstand. What's on your... What's on your iPad, your iPhone? What are you reading? Let's, let's start it off with... Uh, let's ask Padre. Padre, what have you been reading? Uh, okay, so I, I'm, I'm thinking you probably covered this on the, the, the book guys already. Uh, there's been a couple of things on my devices. Number one has been an audio book and an actual book by the name of The Martian by, uh, by Andy Weir. I just had him on last week's Padre's Corner. Uh, I have listened to that book literally... I think forty six times now. Uh, it, it just it, it. I geek out so much over it because every time I listen to it, there's more details. And I'm just thinking, wow, they, he actually got most of the science right. And actually, last week, if you watched last week's podcast, uh, Mr. Weir talks about how he did fudge a few things just to make the book more interesting. But the fact that he knows that he fudged them, it just makes me really like it. Also, uh, I got to say, uh, I've been really getting back into comics. I've been, I've been, oh, uh, the, I just finished the entire Green Lantern series. Like I had stopped reading it back in the nineties and I have now caught up and I got to say, I, I, you know, I, it's so, it's so kind of hurtful that the movie was so bad because it is a really good series. It, I think it might be one of the best properties in the DC universe. Good series. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, let's move on to Mr. Goots. What's up yeah. with you? You know me, I kind of back away when the comic books uh, talk starts. <laughs> trying to leave a lot of space. Um, I just got um, a bunch of audio books that all just showed up at once. And the one I was most excited about was um, Andrew Dice Clay's new book called The Filthy Truth, which he wrote with uh, David Ruiz and was performed by Bruce Rubenstein. And it's about his life, you know, from being a kid, getting beat up and uh, trying to get attention. He's growing up in Brooklyn and all the way up through trying to be a stand-up, going uh, out his first time. And his, the very first thing he did, he dressed up as the Nutty Professor and came out acting all, you know, like the Nutty Professor, real nerdy. And he was telling everybody that he has this magic potion he's going to take. And, uh, and it's amazing. And it turns him into the like the most interesting guy in the world. And he turns around, he slicks his hair back, and he throws on this leather jacket, and uh, he takes out, like, the fake teeth he has and untucks his, it tucks his shirt in, and he turns around, and he's John Travolta. And he goes through the whole grease line, and I like that, and he like, totally spot on. And he just did that for, like, a year, and uh, Rodney Dangerfield uh, finally put him on an HBO special, and he blew up, and he was the first guy to ever do uh, comedy in arenas. You know, not two and three hundred seats, but he was filling Madison Square Garden like three days in a row. And you know, 
making millions of dollars. And then he got on the wrong side of somebody in Hollywood, and they they trashed his Ford Fairlane movie, and you know crashed out, went through like three wives, and um, just interesting. He was always you know a comic that that I enjoyed. He's he's very very blue. I don't think he would uh, be able to come on Padre's Corner, but uh, interesting book. Um, not a lot of twists and turns, but getting in depth. Uh, you know, I've been really getting into comedy lately, uh, listening to a couple different podcasts with up-and-coming comedians, and he has been on some of them lately. And I, you kind of know when somebody comes out of the woodwork, you know, what are they promoting? And sure enough, this book came out, but I finished it quicker than I've finished a book in a long time. Started yesterday morning, finished it by today at lunch. Recommended. That's all? That's it. Well, that's it for me. And next up, I'm thinking about actually going for 2,000 leagues or no, 20,000. Oh, my goodness. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Jules Verne going back to something classical to cleanse myself after the injury. You had the, you had the abridged version, 2,000 leagues under the sea. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, got, I, got I, got, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and now, Professor, what's on your nightstand? Well, I want to second the uh, the father's recommendation that uh, the Martian is oh, yeah, just terrific. It's just terrific because it's it's hard science fiction, which can sometimes leave characters and plot elements behind as it puts the hard science first and foremost. Uh, but but Weird doesn't do that in in this book. It's equal parts hard sci-fi, character, plot. Some funny moments too, which you don't oft, often get in the hardest of hard sci-fi. And uh, I, I've listened to it once. Uh, my daughter Emily's probably listened to it seven or eight times. So she's in, she's definitely in uh, in, in Padres camp in, in in terms of just re-listening and re-listening and reliving that story. Uh, for my own, what I'm what I'm just just at the very beginning stages of is a book. By a Harvard University professor. Don't let that scare you off. It is still comic book related. It is The Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore. And the creator of Wonder Woman has a very interesting biography, uh, including uh, he was a, a psychologist, and among his experimental works, were were uh, works that led to the creation of the lie detector test. Uh, so no surprise that one of Wonder Woman's main weapons is a lasso that makes people tell the truth. And let's just say he had some interesting views on relationships and certainly liked strong women. And his relationships with women were intriguing. And... Uh, in retrospect, you can read a lot of things into some of those early Wonder Woman stories. And then, uh, so that's the, the thick, serious book uh, that I'm working my way through. And then just uh, earlier today, I recorded a podcast episode covering a terrific comic book from the early <laughs> 1980s. I believe this was actually cover dated December 1979. Rom Space Night, number one. The greatest of the Space Knights 
Oh no! Terrific issue, oh, I, by the way, I completely forgot that series. That was actually an awesome series. There's there's been problems with the because it, 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 it it's a toy tie-in. Uh, it was a Parker Brothers toy that they sold the license to for you know uh, Marvel got the license to create this just incredible world and incredible uh, comic series. But the rights issues have been so tied up that the the issues have never been reprinted. Uh, there's almost no chance of a Rom Space Knight movie uh, because of questions about which corporations who've purchased Warner Bro- who've purchased Parker Brothers in the past and Marvel and the the legal issues are so uh, entwined and complicated. Uh, can can that, you give us uh, the backstory of Rom? I I, for, I forgot. I mean, I remember he he would make an occasional crossover in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I yeah, even had very, a few of his issues. Yeah, very, very, very few. He was part of the greater Marvel Universe, but was mostly a standalone stories. And uh, he arrives in in, uh, a small town, West Virginia, and his thing is that uh, he is looking for his his people's mortal enemies, the dire wraiths, and they can appear as anything. They're shapeshifters. And he has a couple of weapons. He has an analyzer that can tell him if this is a real person or if it's a dire wraith and then a neutralizer to send them to limbo. And the problem is that he's the only one that can see these. I mean, in essence, the classic sci-fi movie, classic in quotes, they live is basically Rom with Roddy Roddy Piper (laughs) instead of Rom the Space Knight. But conceptually the same thing. So he is going around basically blowing people away, but he's blowing bad guys away. But uh, no one quite believes him just yet. So he's killing things, but in a good way. Yeah. Exactly. I, it just I, makes sense. That's, it's one of those characters that I vaguely remember. Like, I remember thinking he was cool. I remember, I remember the, the analyzer. Uh, right. And that's about it. I remember he, he, lots of chrome, but that was about it. <laughs> and and, and the, the books ran into the mid-80s, and then when the series ended, again, they've never been able to reprint, this, reprint the series be, because of the rights issues. So the only place to find it is in single issues in your back issue bin at your, at your local comic shop. But well worth it if you, if you find them. 25 cents is what I paid for it. I try not to go above that. Order bin. Exactly. And, and I've been... Uh... I just finished, actually, this new Stephen King revival. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised, first of all, that it's under 400 pages. It does not, uh, although I, I listened to the audio, it would not be a hardcover you could kill someone with, like some of his previous tomes. Uh, it's about a small boy. He's playing with his uh, toy soldiers in a small New England town, and quite literally, a shadow is cast over his life. As he looks up, where's the shadow coming from? It's the new priest in town. And, and the story goes through their relationship over the next 50 years. Uh, it starts off pretty much like a slice-of-life uh, book. You wouldn't know it was a, a horror or a fantasy. And quite quickly, within the first couple chapters, Stephen King hits you hard in the third chapter and gives you a little taste of what's coming next. And I was pleasantly surprised with this one. Uh, Got to say, the most dreadful, awful ending to a Stephen King book ever. Um, not that it was bad or poorly written. I mean, dreadful, literally inspiring dread and horror. 
And just, wow, what an ending. And that's the only reason I don't want to spoil any more of the plot because it really does sort of lead you there very well. Very tight, very well edited. Um, check it out for sure. Stephen King's revival. Okay, yeah. And, uh, and next up on my reading list is... And this actually was a topic we were looking at to do on the Book Ice show uh, about the paperbacks that were distributed to uh, troops in the United States, or American troops in World War II, and how they actually did help uh, win the war. And I discovered this book. It's called When Books Went to War, The Stories That Helped Us Win World War II by Molly Guptil Manning. And she goes through how not only did uh, the shipping of these paperbacks to uh, American soldiers create the whole paperback craze, uh, it also did help a lot of uh, the soldiers in the, you know, guys that were like, you know, pinned down and just knew that their life was probably going to end and they had nothing else to do other than sit there and eat beans out of a can. Well, they had these books and, and a lot of them said it's what got them psychologically through the war. And uh, she goes through anecdotes of uh, soldiers who had seen such horrific things that, you know, they're sitting in the hospital and they're, they're thinking, I'm never going to smile again. And then they, they picked up one of these uh, paperbacks that were being distributed by the publishers, and it really turned things around for them, where they were chuckling, you know, on, on, you know, in the hospital bed and realized that maybe life was still worth living and maybe they would get over all the, the horrors they'd seen. So uh, really interesting. I really want to check that one out. Have it ready yet. Cool. All right. We'll report back soon. What's next? What's up next, my friend, is as usual, we got to play a jingle. We're going to go through our book news. Book news. Take it away, Alan. Alan, you're muted. The creator of the Choose Your Own Adventure series has passed away, R.A. Montgomery. Now, the Choose Your Own Adventure series are the fourth best-selling book series for children of all time. He died on November 9th at age 78. The cause of death has not been disclosed. We like to think it hasn't been decided yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and by the way, he's, he's inspired a lot of books. So not all Choose Your Own Adventures uh, were you know, written by him, uh, including Neil Patrick Harris's autobiography entitled Choose Your Own Autobiography, where you can literally, you know, he gets to like pivotal points in his life, and he, he says, well... Do you want to date this man? You know. You know what? what uh, Paul, your your connection's dying again. One one of the funny things is, is I, I got to ask: when you were doing uh, 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 choose your own adventure books when you were a kid, uh, did you leave a pay a finger in the page in the previous page so you could go back if you made the wrong decision? Uh, I, I'll, I'll fess up to that. I I didn't ha just leave a finger. I actually had slips of paper so I could jump back several decisions. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, that's what, it's what being a completist is all about. You have to work your way through all the possible adventures. That way, when you read it the second time, you know, you know the choices you want to make. <laughs> what about you, sir, Jimmy? Uh, I never really did much choose-your-own-adventure stuff, but I, I, it seems like there's been a lot of references to it in pop culture over the years. But uh, I, And I even heard, I can't remember where it was that, it might have been on my gosh. Somebody mentioned in the chat room that that awful show, Big Bang Theory. Uh, it was uh, all the tall, skinny guys reading. He's reading something. And he goes back. No, 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 no. I didn't go in the cave. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Next, next book news 
it turns out that paper books may still have a use. Uh, everybody probably seen just this week that there was a active shooter at Florida State University. Um, probably upset with the fact that their football team's undefeated and everything's great and sunny down there, so just couldn't take it. But um, like three or four people got shot. The shooter got killed. Um, but one guy who was in and around the shooting came home. He had just left the library where he checked out three books. And he got home, was going through his backpack, and noticed that one of the books had a bullet buried, like clear through it and into the back cover of the book, you know, possibly saving his life. So it pays to read, kids. <laughs> Reading There's is- a guy that's hollowing out his book the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these will save you. No, oh, I hope you guys can hear me and see me now. quite a thrill go ahead paul yeah can you hear me still yes we can okay good so let's move on to the next story which is of course new barbie kids book is wrong in so many ways well it's not a new book it was uh, published in 2010 it's just been discovered by some uh vigilant parents uh mattel has apologized because the book entitled barbie i can be a computer engineer um basically says that she can't be an engineer Not only does she not become one, but when tasked with making a video game, she says, quote, I am only creating the design ideas. I'll need Steven's and Brian's help to turn into a real game. But it gets worse. Later on, Padre, uh, Barbie's computer stops blinking, starts blinking, and when she she says that's a computer virus, um, it turns out she's the one who installed the virus on the computer with her uh, heart-shaped USB drive. You know, and then, this sounds like one of those rip from the headlines types thing where they're like, oh, yeah, USB drives are bad now. And, and uh, <laughs> girls, they want to learn about computers. So we're going to make a toy that puts a bunch of popular stories from, from, uh, from you know, tech news. And now it's the smarter toy for, for girls growing up. I, I get so sick of this stuff. I mean, we see it in, in pretty much every industry where you're dumbing down toys because you want them to feel smart, but at the same time you... Want it to feel sugar-coated? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd... Well, not only does this book make uh, you know, young girls feel dumb that they can't be computer engineers, but uh, it goes on to say that uh, she goes into a classroom after later in the book where a female teacher teaches her that in order to fix her computer that has a virus, she has to take the hard drive out of her infected computer and put it into some, someone else's poor defenseless computer. <laughs> of course, that's you know, natural. That's a step you have to take. That Barbie... Parents, do not buy that book for your children. It is being pulled oh. off shelves by Mattel. In the, in, in the sequel, she goes to host a podcast, This Week in Bad Tech. That's right. <laughs> True story. Uh, Padre, we're going to move on from the book news. Uh, other than, well, one more story here, bookguys.ca. New one coming out next year. We're rebuilding the site from scratch, uh, adding uh, quite a few more contributors and uh, seeing if we can do something new and uh, fresh. And uh, Sir Jimmy, we're going to go on and do this. No, we're not going to do Price Again. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the Book Guy of the Year Award, my friend. Now, now Padre, we've, this is an award that is not only, it's not yearly, and it's not even an award. We did, no one actually gets anything. But 
what we do is once in a while we uh, pick someone out there that is helping uh, bring reading to children and adults and, and just literacy advocates around the world. And last time we gave it away, I don't know, Padre, if you can get the video up, for the Biblio Bureau, it was Luis Soriano from uh, Colombia, I believe. He was our first award winner. And uh, because of his work, uh, you know, taking a, literally taking a donkey all around uh, Colombia to the little rural, rural towns, he got the award for bringing all those books to children. And this year, we're going to give it to, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Dash Dundog Jamba, who, uh, finding a lack of burros in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, uh, decided to take uh, his books on a camel. So, for the last 20 years, Dash Dundong has traveled over 50,000 miles across the rural areas and deserts of Mongolia, bringing books to children. And uh, I'd like to start a Kickstarter to buy them some Kindles so he doesn't have to cart these things around by camel, you know. A camel cart, a camel book, camel, I don't know. I, I, I got nothing. Can you imagine devoting 20 years of your life and doing that 50,000 miles to bring uh, the joy of books to children? That's incredible, as uh, Nerve just said in the, the chat room. Well, he gets my vote. Professor Allen, we got some podcasts this week, do we not? We do. Let's do it. We got one anyways. At the beginning of the show, you saw our magnificent title sequence, which was created by Bill Meeks. And we wanted to give a shout out to his book series, The Dog Boy Adventures. Uh, He is podcasting some of those books over at his website www.dogboyadventures all one word dot com yes mix mix media the dog boy adventures are available on amazon as well and uh but if you want to listen to the audio there is the podcast fantastic uh, also available on audible we're gonna move on jimmy we're gonna do this quick as we're running out of time but uh i know that you uh might have some treats for someone in the chat room or one of our listeners to find. Welcome to Prize of Genza. I love that. It's so game show you know. What you got, Jimmy? Well, on uh, you guys can see here on my, uh, what is it, my little lower third here, freeallbooks.com is a website that I run where I take books. Every book you see here on the shelf is hollowed out, which means there's a big hole cut inside of it, so you can hide things. You know, whatever, like this big giant Jane Austen book, you can hide things inside of this. So, uh, it's called freeallabooks.com because somebody took hollowbooks.com. So I decided, since I was getting a bunch of these books free off of a um, free shelf at our local bookstore, I said, well, I'll call freeallabooks.com. People say, well, why is it free all the books? Where's the free one? So, every month, I give one away for free. But it's kind of hidden. You just got to read all the silly descriptions and figure out which one it is. And if you click on it, it goes, boo, hey, you found it. But uh, nobody even found it in October. So it's still sitting there in November. And I posted in the chat room here 10 or 15 minutes ago, you know, go find it. It's free. I want to give one away to somebody on Twit, on Padre's Corner. So go get it. It's free. Go find Now, no one in the chat room is watching the show. They're all at Free Hollow Books trying to find the free book. It's the on there. The first one email he gets it shipped free anywhere in the world. Are we doing on time, Padre? Can we do some books on film and television? Uh, yeah, you know what? I think we have just enough time to, to talk about that because that's, uh, that's fascinating what you got in the doc. All right, we'll close it off with uh, books on film and television then. Books on
on film and television. Well, I want to start just by... (laughs) I want to start by just by saying I am really enjoying this current year's crop of comic book-themed TV shows, especially The Flash. It's just capturing Mm -hmm. the light, joyous spirit that comic books should be. And um, up, upcoming, I think next week, is a big Flash and Arrow crossover. And, and that, that is an old-time comic book trick, the crossover, occasionally done on TV shows before. Uh, but this is the first big one of this season. The story is going to start on, on Flash next Tuesday and end on Arrow on Wednesday. And I've yeah. just been digging the Flash yeah, I've been enjoying it myself. Yeah, the, I mean, it's got a good balance between, uh, you know, a good use of uh, CGI. I'm just sort of, I know that it's Flash and Arrow are a separate universe. I was hoping that they would do what Marvel's done, which is incorporate all these wonderful shows into their movies as well. But apparently they're breaking it up. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that, that can hamstring the TV shows a little too much. I think that's a little bit of what happened with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. last year. They had to hit certain episodes, certain topics at certain points in the season to line up with the movie releases. And, you know, I think there were some lulls, there were some slow points in the season because they, you know, they were forced to fit into the movie continuity. So, you know, there's, there's trade-offs with uh, either way that you do it. You know, the crossover, the, the crossover is really the – that's the, the core of, of the comic book world, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. the whole reason why we geek out over the Avengers. It's this idea that you can have a bunch of characters that you've liked in their titles, their movies, their books, and then suddenly they team up and you just have a geekgasm. And I, I, think, uh, I think DC's starting to do that with the TV series. They're way behind in the movies, way behind Marvel. But uh, that's where the money is, right? I mean, you're going to get your blockbuster out of characters that may not be great. I mean, Iron Man wasn't that great in the comic books. It was okay. It wasn't wasn't A-list. Captain America was kind of like, well, you have to have the Captain America, but no one really bought the title. Hawkeye, Black Widow, really? Uh, But (laughs) when you team them up, suddenly it's got heat. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, one of the... One of the legends is they started with Iron Man you know, for this you know, current wave of movies because, man, he was safe. It was sort of, you know, take a chance. If you mess it up, no one really cares about Iron Man. It's not that big a deal. You know, if you, if, if, if that movie's not that good, not that popular, eh, you know, low-risk proposition because no one really cared that much about Iron Man. Hey, Professor Allen, what would you say be a good comic book for someone wanting to get into comic books right now would be? There was a couple questions in the chat room. I'm not sure if you saw it, but somebody's like, where would they start? How would you hook them? You know, that's an that's it. I do have an answer. It, it, it's, it is an impossible question to answer in the sense that some, some, in the same way if someone asked, I like reading, what book should I read? Do you like mysteries? Do you like science fiction, etc.? But the place to start, the place to start is your public library. Because the public library most likely has a collection of trade collect. Uh, they're called trade paperback editions, collected editions of comic books. Usually six or eight or ten comic books collected uh, at a time that uh, 
that can be checked out. And that's just the place to go, just to start browsing. A, a, a low-cost, low-risk way. Yeah, because great way comic to books, if you're buying new comics off the shelves, which I don't do a lot of these days, are the cheap ones are $3 a piece. Many are $4 a piece. So wait a few months. I'm, I'm, I'm usually six months behind on my comic book reading because I wait for the collected editions to come out. Uh, either purchase those or check them out from the library. Give them a test run before the purchase. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we have time for one more story, Audrey, before we go. Um, I think we, we could do one more and then you got to wrap it. All right, we'll wrap it right after that. But we got to break this out because we, we have a couple of Stephen King fans in the audience here. And uh, The Stand is being adapted as four movies by Warner Brothers. Four. After a year of back and forth with Warner Brothers director Josh Boone reports that the studio came back to him one day with a counterproposal and said, well, instead of doing all that, would you consider doing multiple films, maybe four? And he said, uh, F yes. So it's currently being planned as four high-budget blockbusters. And we're uh, pretty much out of time, are we not, Padre? Unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have to wrap up this edition, of, special edition of the Book Guys show. How do you guys normally end it? We normally play a little end jingle and say goodbye to everyone. I think you do. Kick it off. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Padre, for having us in your corner. You know we're in your corner. Thank you, Professor Allen. Thank Sir you, Jim. Paul. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's great to have a Padre in the in our corner. That's right. See you next week. Same book time. Never hurts. Stay tuned. Listeners, Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. Do, do, do. Do. And that's usually how we end it, Padre. Gentlemen, thank you so very much. And, thank you for uh, squeezing us in, Padre. Of course, of course. It's been so much. I love talking about books. And uh, you know what? It's Hopefully this will become a more advanced sequence that we can use inside Padre's Corner because there's some great podcasts out there, and uh, I want the world to know about them. Gentlemen, you take care. Thank you. Sir. See you, Padre. I want to thank Paul Alvis and all the book guys for coming on to the show for a little bit of Podception. It's a segment we're going to try every once in a while, maybe once a month, where we bring in podcasters who maybe have a decent product, some, some good content, but they don't quite have maybe the distribution of a Twit TV. We want to show the world to them and them to the world. You're going to find it here on Padre's Corner. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode of Padre's Corner. Don't forget that you can always find us at our show page. Just drop by twit.tv slash Padre, and you'll find all of our episodes, including the notes for the stories that I cover each and every single week. And you'll also find a little drop-down menu where you'll be able to subscribe so you can get every single episode automatically in the device of your choice. You want to get our audio version into your iPod so that you can listen to us in the car ride to work? You can do that. You want to get the video version on your Android tablet so you can watch us during your breaks? You could do that. Do you want to get the high-definition version in your Mac, your PC, your desktop, your laptop, so that you can stream it on your HD TV? You can do that. It's all part of the love we got for you here at Twit TV. Uh, don't forget, you can also find out about me by going to my Twitter page at twitter.com slash PadreSJ. If you go there, you'll find out what I do each and every single week for all the episodes of all the shows I do on Twit TV. 
Twyatt at uh, 2.30 on Mondays, where I talk about networking and uh, the data center. Uh, also, don't forget, I do know-how on Thursdays at, at 11 o'clock and Coding 101 at 1.30 so that you can get a little bit of knowledge, a little DIY spirit. And, of course, there's Padre's Corner here every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Until next time, I'm Father Robert Ballasare. I came out sane on the other side. Okay.